Boom! Hey guys, I'm Dr. Trites. I'm back here, and this is episode 20. Ding, 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 ding. Of Great Health Does Not Have to Be a Mission Impossible. And this is episode part two of pregnancy and infertility. I hope you got a lot of information from last time. And if you think I speak fast, you're right. I do. Um, it's all my fault. I'll take I'll take full advantage of it. And, and the reason is that, again, the squirrels in my head get going. And they get going and they get going and they get going. And I have so much that I want to say that I often step over my own mouth. And I get going. And that's the only way I can word vomit everything I need to have. Now, the cool thing about podcast and uh, YouTube and some of the other, we use uh, Vimeo and, and other channels, is that you can slow it down to your speed. Um, so when I go to school, often, especially in the last two years, almost everything has been recorded, which is great. And so there's really not a live thing. You can't uh, go interact with people uh, or, or go ask questions. We have to submit questions in most of our forums before the class starts. And they're kind enough to give us the materials, but often the material for us for a two, uh, like a 20 hour session is somewhere in the neighborhood of 2,500 slides. I'm not kidding you. That's just the way it's going. When we're dealing with the, uh, it's, it's an advanced functional uh, medicine module and it's a six year study. Now, most of your functional medicine classes are six weekends, which is a good start for people. But you can't possibly be telling me that you're doing functional medicine in six weekends because the um, internist side of it took me three years on top of chiropractic school. And then um, there was um, uh, almost a year and a half of clinical laboratory science where we learned how to implement it. And then um, another six years of these clinical rotations that we go through and looking at different cases. So um, anyway, that's where we are. I just wanted to, to, to get you caught up. So this is part two of pregnancy and infertility. So we want you to have healthy, happy babies. And there are some other things that come along with this as we're talking. And the first thing I'm going to talk about again is an omega-3. So if you didn't hear of omega-3, it's a, uh, you might have heard of fish oil or egg yolk or brain, don't eat brain, uh, organ meats, human milk. Now, not that I can't imagine that there's a supplement that says human milk uh, so that you can get pregnant. Um, I'm sure someday it'll be out there, but I don't think I'll be selling it in my office. Um, you can also get that. This is um, one of the good omega three fatty acids. There, there's actually they're all good, but omega six is not always good. So, dicosahexanoic acid or DHA, and there's eicosapentaenoic acid, which is EPA. So DHA is very good for brain and brain development. So we give that more to our kids um, up until the age of about 12. And then they start beating themselves up or young women start having periods and they start getting inflamed because generally it's the diet that they have. And so we allow them to change um, into an EPA because it's more anti-inflammatory. Now, if somebody's into Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, dementia, I'll probably push both because I need something for their brain and I need something for their brain pain and inflammation. So Icosa um, tetranoic acid, it's a little di different, comes from your nut seed and flax seed that you might have heard of, but also alpha linolenic acid comes from nut seeds, flax seed oil. Now, there are good omega 6 fats. Omega 6, for the most part, is considered the bad or inflammatory fat, but there are 
reasons at times that it can be okay. So you might have heard of barrage oil or black currant seed oil or evening primrose oil or canola oil. Not there's different types of canola oil. So there's cold pressed canola oil, which is actually beneficial to you. Same with sun, sunflower oil or grapeseed oil that are linolenic acids. And the evening primrose and black currant seed oil are gamma linolenic acid. Um, and then there's organ meats that's dihelmo gamma linolenic acid, GGLA. So you might have seen these. Now, I bring these up on the cold press side of things because they're non inflammatory. They enhance a pathway that's called prostaglandin 1, and it's anti inflammatory. And the omega 3s have prostaglandin 3 pathways, and they're anti inflammatory. And then you have stuff that's arachidonic acid. So you might have heard of butter, animal fat, seafood, fried food, aspirin, Tylenol, ibuprofen. <laughs> they all, even though these are NSAIDs, non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs, they stop the pain pattern for, oh, a minute. They'll bring it down, but then it's actually inflammatory because it eats up your fats. So uh, keep that in mind. Now, if you have inflammation, this is why EFAs are so important, not only to um, our our pregnant and infertile infertile women but it's also or infertile men but it's also for anybody that has inflammation or pain it's very important for for all of these factors so that's just a good starting point uh, if you are not on a good fat i highly consider uh, suggest you consider that now if the estrogen is out of balance and this goes even into later in life when we have um, menopause, or for men, manopause, which is called um, andropause. Um, your, if your estrogen is out of, while, out of balance, you get what's called estrobolome dysfunction, which is inflammation and disruption of estrogen metabolism. And this happens in the gut. And so when you have that, you have microbial diversity decrease, meaning you had a whole bunch of species at one point, and now this estrogen metabolism is changing, so you don't have a normal gut. So is, is probiotics going to save you at this point? No. You, maybe you can take, I don't know, half a trillion, and maybe that'll do it, but that's, that's a lot. And you're also going to get changes in the type of uh, bacteria that go in there and, and, and they become more pathogenic. So there are um, reasons that you can have an estrogen-gut microbiome interaction. You could have an endometriosis, you could have PCOS, you could have obesity, you could have cancer, you could have brain issues. And there is um, research upon research upon research that support um, what this is happening. Again, we have a nutraceutical approach. Make sure you're, you have fats. Make sure your blood sugar is right. Make sure that you can detoxify with your liver. And make sure that you have um, microbiome modulation. And short-chain fatty acids and fiber and doing microbiome mashups are your friend. Um, there's no ifs, ands, or doubts. There is um, thousands of research papers that uh, talk to us about that. Now, what about if you're male? What should we support? Well, there are options. You can take Trebellius uh, terrestris. That's a botanical that helps make testosterone. But most of the time with men, you have an antioxidant issue. So we have to give glutathione. Uh, we have to use N-acetylcysteine. We have to use alpha-folic acid or lycopene. And sometimes we use zinc, selenium, folic acid, B12, which in the methylcobalamin form, or vitamin C. And then if the blood supply is not quite there or the triglycerides are too high... Um, 
we might use L-carnitine or coenzyme Q10 or the with the PPP, PPQ version. And then, of course, men also need those omega-3 fatty acids. So there are options, uh, nutrients there. And by the way, uh, all of those are on our website at choosenewleaf.com. So what what I've done and at least gone through and... Um, whether it's it's going to a conference, whether it's uh, reading research, whether it's um, you know getting information from mentors <laughs> that uh, you know that that have research and presentations and whatnot. And what we do is we take like, hey, you know, on a scale of one to ten for male spermatozoa uh, activity, where does zinc fall into it? Is it a one out of five? Uh, is it a nothing? Okay, got a number. And then let's say we get to um, a product like probiotics. Uh, on a scale of 1 to 10, where's probiotics? Nothing. Okay, moving on. Um, so it, it's not something that we typically give for men when they have low sperm counts. But I'll give zinc, I'll give CoQ10, I'll give EFAs. That, that's, that's why I'm throwing these out here. I'm not just saying, hey, take everything we have on here. No, I want you to be using things that are specific for conditions so that you get the, the best opportunity for what you want, which is having a healthy, happy baby, right? So if you have PCOS, um, some of the botanicals, we almost always end up using berberine because you have such a bad insulin surge. Um, and then uh, there are some other botanicals that go along with it. But often, because there's also testosterone that's going nuts and it creating inflammation, we use resveratrol. Uh, we have inflam redox and um, liposomal glutathione and optimum turmeric because they're antioxidants and they reduce inflammation. Uh, of course, we're going to give your complete EFA, uh, vitamin D, and maybe if the berberine isn't working, sometimes we have to use alpha-lipoic acid, um, and then we use our short-chain fatty acid, just like everybody else. So the, the, the insulin surge, keep in mind why PCOS women need more than the average woman for that, is that their microbiome just gets hit with all those insulin and estrogen and testosterone surges that weren't supposed to be there. So it, it, it kills their normal bacteria. The bad ones kick in and, and off they go. So it's, um, I guess it's a perpetual, every time the, those things happen, you get more issues. Now, what if you have uterine fibrates? Uh, one of the botanicals you can get is green tea extract, but you have to take quite a, a bit of a dose today. It's like 500 to 3,000 milligrams a day. Vitamin D and uh, resveratrol is your friend when you have that. Um, so keep that in mind. And then if you have endometriosis, the number one, hands down, hands down, hands down, is essential fatty acids. Now, the essential fatty acid better have everything in it, which is essential. It can't just have like your fish oil, which is going to be EPA or DHA. It can't just have flaxseed. It can't just be primrose oil. It can't just be blackcurrant seed oil. It can't just be barrage oil. It has to be all of them. You have to have all of it. And then you need to have a pretty good amount of antioxidants. So the uh, uh, tumero, our complete turmeric, and the uh, glutathione that we have, optimum glutathione, are pretty good antioxidants. And then the fat-soluble vitamins, because there's usually an, an EFA deficiency, your vitamins A, D, E, and K are your fat-soluble vitamins. So there is a complete D and K. Um, there's like a D. Uh, and then because of the endometrial side of things, you usually have a... Um, mineral and a B vitamin issue. So we have our optimum B vitamin. You you might be able to get away with energy ignited, especially you can have endometriosis and your energy is just fine. You, you need B vitamin. If you have endometri endometriosis and you have no energy, go with the energy ignite. 
Um, and then you, you probably need a mineral supplement. And the number one mineral that we start with is magnesium. And we want one that's going to be highly uh, soluble and gets in and, and gets to the source to help um, the potty metabolize. So magnesium is used in like 3,600 um, you know, 30 sits in enzymatic responses in the liver. So when we have to reach for a mineral, um, that's why we start there. So anyway... That is uh, the first option. Now, there are people who have pituitary issues, meaning that they can't, they have low TSH, they have low FSH, they have low LH, and so they're not putting out anything in their body. They have low T4, they have low T3 to T4 conversion. Uh, and so when you have that, when you have low FSH in men, it's low sperm. <coughs> Excuse me. If you have low FSH in females, you have no estradiol. If you have low luteinizing hormone, and these are both considered, by the way, FSH and LH are what's called gonadotropins. If you have low LH, you have, for men, low testosterone, and for women, low progesterone. Now, the big deal, if you haven't heard this, and you have low progesterone as a female, you can't hold a baby. Um, you, you can get pregnant, but you can't hold it. So you, you have miscarriages that go along with it. So those have to be measured. So if, if you're pregnant and nobody's testing you for that, um, please do it because you need to know it, because it's just a simple fix if you have low progesterone they can give you a cream or a supplement not a supplement a medication and get it up there and more often than not it's a very successful way to do things i don't do that in our office because i, I can, i'm a conservative doctor and that's not what i do but i want if, if that's you do it um i'm going to encourage you to to find the doctor that that'll do that for you and by the way that's OBGYN. um and then there can be uh, adaptogens that can be given to help support the pituitary activity. So ashwagandha, uh, if you ever heard of ginseng, uh, rhodiola, those are options that can be given uh, for that. And, and all of that we have for those are in what's called memory support because it does other things with blood supply. So those are all good starting points. Now, when we have... Uh, pituitary, sometimes we have to look around a little bit. Maybe we have to use something called phosphatidylserine. Maybe we have to use B vitamins. Maybe we have to use magnesium or maybe we use vitamin C. Um, B vitamins, magnesium, vitamin C on a scale of yen 1 to 10, 1 to 5 are the low end. Do they work? Do they have some um, research that supports it versus, let's say, um, if you have a pituitary issue, give vitamin D. There's, I, don't, I don't know of any research that says that that's an option. It doesn't. Maybe it helps. Maybe it doesn't. Um, but again and again and again, the research says, uh, take a look at those herbal options. And, uh, so that's why I put those out there for you because I want you to have options to, um, the number one reason for infertility. All right. So I'm going to finish up just kind of going back through just to give you um, a heads up. So the most common types of, of couple infertility patients is um, they don't have any family issues with infertility, okay? And they're thinking about a healthy pregnancy in the future. They don't even know. <laughs> That's the most common type. Um, and then they, they don't even know what to, to ask, which, which is fine when they come into the office, and they don't know who who done it. Uh, most of the time, the woman takes it upon themselves, and it's not. 
it's only a third. Men is a third. Everybody's together is a third. Uh, you have undiagnosed infer- um, infertility issues, um, both male and female. We've talked about those. You have uh, infertility with endometriosis. Maybe you do or don't know about it, or dysmenorrhea. You're you're not um, on your normal period, or you have PCOS and that hasn't been checked, or you have a pituitary issue and that's not uh, been evaluated, and so you now have either low sperm count or you have uh, too low of, of uh, progesterone, so you can't hold, or you have female uh, female pelvic scarring, uh, whether it's an infection or anatomical issues, or uh, you actually had an injury, or um, you, you're asking for nutrition, nutritional and physical. Now, now, this is where I wish the infertility clinics would literally reach out to functional medicine doctors for this. Let's say you have a, a woman that comes in and she's obese. And let's say they're smoking. We've already talked about that. And let's say there's any of these other things or a pituitary issue. Um, and, and they go into an IVF clinic. Well, most of the time, the IVF clinic has, well, the, they go by really age. And this is your percentage. And you, at least in, in the year that we are, Dallas is 25,000. It's just kind of a, a standard number that goes with it. All right, 25,000 uh, for the opportunity to have a baby. Okay. Still cheaper than adoption. Um, and, and it's yours and it's your DNA. I got it. So they should be calling out to the functional medicine doctor and say, you know what? The percentage of this goes down when you have these risk factors. I'm going to encourage you to go see Dr. So-and-so. Uh, and it's case to be Dr. Trites. And we're going to help you with these things. And then maybe in three to six months, come back here. Because right off the bat, uh, your potential for having a baby is like 2%. That, that's really what it is when you have those risk factors. The IVF doesn't work so good. Not that IVF is really awesome because everybody would be doing it. Or um, let's say they had a couple and, and they went through IVF and they didn't have really any of their risk factors that could be seen there, but they it, it failed. They got to figure out what is is a potential and at least get it off the plate. In other words, not everybody gets to have a baby, and I don't know why, and that's sad, and it's it's unfortunate but that life has never been fair, and that's a, one of the very first things I learned in uh, second grade riding bikes with my friends when a car hit me, and I spent the rest of my uh, second grade in, in a hospital, in and out of hospital, um, because my head was... Uh, well, part of my brain was on the ground. So life isn't fair. <laughs> and um, and it, it's sad, but there, there are other options for the people. But we, we try to like, make sure there's no stone unturned. And given the options, here are the stones you can unturn. Stone number one over here, it's very low probability, but stone over here, we, we can we can put some focus in there. And we if we get those off your plate, you know, there's a chance. But as we age, remember, you get past 34, 35, 36, that biological clock is ticking. You get into your 40s, it is it is it's it's really winding down, and the percentages go down. Or so. Anyway, I just want to I want to throw that out there, and and I'm almost done on this particular infertility. I just want to um, re 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 address diet and lifestyle factors because of all things that are out there, obesity. Lack of exercise, smoking, alcohol, caffeine, illicit drugs, exposure to pesticides, um, not eating organic foods, psychological stress, mental stress, have the biggest impact on a fertility for both male and female. And then we get into the highlights of the PCOS, uterian, fibroids, and endometriosis for women and sperm health for men. So it's it's lifestyle. Guess what? When the child is developing and we have the potential for child development delays, um, it's lifestyle. 
notice I didn't go into a whole bunch of genetics. I do know a whole bunch of genetics. I can get into the genetics. I can go through anybody and, and help them with genetics. But what I help them with genetics is here's a better way for your body and your genetics to eat. So we know that ketogenic diet and um, with the uh, intermittent fasting as a global explanation is a very good way for longevity but not everybody can do it some people have such a sluggish gallbladder it just goes into a spasm some people they have such a propensity to hypoglycemia that going into intermittent fasting actually makes more of a leaky gut and brain fog than not being in intermittent fasting so we have to understand the individual and that not everything that's out there is for everyone and sometimes that also means um, after, after you've exhausted everything, um, there has to be sometimes a come to Jesus moment about what's your next step when IVF and everything else doesn't work. And whether that's with me or whether that's just shutting it down, that, that's, that's your decision. But as your doctor or any other doctor that should be talking to you should be walking you through that. And then they also should be doing a medical history on both you and your um your partner. There should be blood tests that come along with it. There should be body mass index, semen analysis, ovarian reserve testing, female pelvic anatomy evaluation, and then of course functional medicine uh, testing where we're looking at male and female hormones or the potential that you have exposure to urinary solvents and pesticides or chemical antibodies or what's your your uh, adrenal issue. So the, there's an adrenal salivary uh, profile. What's your metabolic um, and essential fatty acid content? And then can you digest things? Because if that doesn't happen, then your microbiome is off. And there should be some questionnaires that come along with those so that um, you really understand where you are in this whole scheme of things. Uh, because without it, I think you're just, I mean, I, w I would feel lost. And sometimes, you know what, guess what? Um, we have to get pretty serious because there's so much that's, that's going on. As I'm talking about lifestyle strategies, I want to go back to endometriosis. So one of the very first things that we ever found, uh, just in, you know, let's say I had 12 patients in 2008 that had endometriosis. I came across an article and I ran an article. I, I ran a blood test on every single one of them. And the article said that the probability of having a casein sensitivity, which is in dairy, is high. And casein cross-reacts with gluten like 85% of the time or 80%, something. And it's it's enough to go, if you're eating one and you're allergic to it, you can't really eat the other. Uh, kind of like a Lego. They just stick together. Um, and so I ran it. And, and sure enough, 12 for 12, everybody had sensitivities to those. But as the years have gone on and we've gotten more and more information, uh, those do... So, like red meat, ham, trans fats, GMO foods, uh, gluten and dairy, and other inflammatory foods. So it's not just gluten and dairy. Uh, it's, it's also these other ones all increase endometrial inflammation. So dietary. But lifestyle-wise, alcohol, coffee, um, pesticides, and endocrine disruptors are all triggers for that. So if you have endometriosis and you're drinking and you're having your coffee 
Uh, and maybe you um, you spray Roundup ready. <laughs> I don't know. Um, and you cook out of um, you know pans with nonstick stuff, and you you sleep on a, on the carpet, or you sleep on a couch that has endocrine disruptors because they spray spray Scotchgard and anti uh, retardants, flame retardants on there, and so those could be your trigger. And so you'll have to do what you can to get rid of those triggers, but then you have to change your diet. And that's really the, the benefit of that. Now, also with endometriosis, you can have underlying chronic inflammatory diseases. So if you have it and you haven't been checked for celiac or inflammatory bowel disease or other autoimmune diseases, you really should because that's more of what's going on than the endometriosis most of the time. And if they haven't been uh, evaluated, then we have a problem. So the number one infertility in the United States is polycystic ovary syndrome, or PCOS. And I hope I've given you the, the steps of how to get better. So if you don't normalize your menstrual cycles and stabilize um, blood sugar, and make sure that you have anti-inflammatory and make sure that you have optimum optimization uh, of the follicles and sperm and reproductive anatomy and that we have nutrients that are there and that you're moving around and that you optimize fetal health and development and you reduce the risk for pregnancy complications and then that those first 12 um, first you know 12 to 24 weeks uh, it's first trimester and into the second you're reducing the risk for childhood development and adult disorders in that process. That doesn't mean at 25 weeks you have a party, um, but that's the most important time to get the nutrition. So if you fatigue out, you're like, oh my gosh, I just want to go out and have a hamburger at 30 weeks um, and with fries. And I want to just have my first Coke in eight months. Is that going to mess up anything? It's going to have an insulin surge and you might have a little microbiome change, but that one, one time, unless you're celiac, it's probably not going to be a big deal. But it is a big deal in the first 24 months, 24 weeks. So I, I just want to throw that out there, what it does. So we don't also want to reduce the risk for maternal postpartum disorders. That When you have baby, you have enough energy to get moving and uh, be able to be healthy and recover. I know you have a lot of options to listen to podcasts, and I appreciate you listening to ours. Um, and if you like it, or if you have a friend or a loved one, um, a son or a daughter, a family member, or anybody that's going through infertility uh, or having trouble with pregnancy, uh, please send this podcast on to them. They may not ever come into my office, and, and that's okay with me. I can't help every single person on earth. I'm, I'm only one person. But maybe they can at least take this information and, and talk to whoever they're working with or find somebody that's local to work with them. But if they, you or them would like to learn more about our office, it's at choosenewleaf.com. And that's where you'll also find uh, a button under there that's called shop, where you can find some of the nutrients that I put out there. Again, you don't have to be my patient to buy those things because we've tested them and we're doing very well with our um, pregnant population right now and they're thriving. Uh, again, new uh, choosenewleaf.com. And the name of this podcast is Great Health Does Not Have to Be a Mission Impossible. I'm Dr. Alan Trites. Be well.